Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So our podcast is called Right and Wrong. Are these your notes? These these your notes about what we're going to say? Anything. It's a short answer. (laughs) So how many novels did you not finish? Oh my God, so many. (laughs) It was perfect. What are you talking about? This is nonsense. Ooh, a spicy question. I love it. (laughs) This is it, guys. The big secret to getting published is you have to write a good book. (laughs) You heard it here first. (laughs) Hello and welcome back to The Right and Wrong podcast. On today's episode, I am joined by Scottish writer who has just published her debut novel, Clytemnestra's Bind, the first book in a three-part epic series based on Greek mythology. It's Susan C. Wilson. Hi, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Great to have you on. Let's kick off with the book, which will be out as of this airing. Clytemnestra's Bind, what's it all about? So, okay, so it's the story of Clytemnestra, which she relates herself in the first person. Um, it's written as historical fiction mm-hmm. and it's set firmly in the Greek late Bronze Age. So Clytemnestra's world turns upside down when Agamemnon invades her palace, he destroys her family and he claims not just the throne but Clytemnestra herself. She vows to avenge her dead by killing Agamemnon but she quickly becomes pregnant by him with her first daughter, Iphigenia, and then with Electra. So she faces a dilemma. If she avenges her dead, which is a sacred duty as well as her desire, what will happen to her children? Agamemnon is the most powerful king in the land, and he's also ruthless and untrustworthy. So will her children be safer with him alive, or will they be less safe? And if she fails in the attempt to kill him, what will happen to her children? So, and then, of course, there's a familiar part of the story when Agamemnon turns his attention towards the wealthy citadel of Troy and Mm -hmm. his ambitions threaten even more starkly to destroy Clytemnestra's family. Yes. Gosh, Greek mythology is just nonstop drama, isn't it? It is. It's nonstop (laughs) drama. That's why I love it. (laughs) And am I right in thinking that you've always been fascinated by ancient mythology? I have, yeah. Um, first discovered ancient mythology when I was a child, just leafing through the, my mum's dictionaries and encyclopedias, and I stumbled on all these names, and I just became absolutely fascinated with the stories and all the connections. And I even, at one point, attempted to write my own um, Greek mythology dictionary when I was about nine or <laughs> ten. I didn't realise you could buy such a thing, so I attempted to write my own one, complete with lavish illustrations, and it it just quickly became a mess because I kept discovering yet more connections and more characters. Yeah. So <laughs> I ended up very much out of order. But yeah, I've just always been fascinated. Okay. So this is the first book in your House of Atreus. Is it Atreus? Series? House of Atreus. Atreus. This is the first book in the series. And like, there's a lot of, obviously there's a lot of Greek mythology to, to choose from. What was it about these characters and the kind of these events that really drew you in? Um, it has always struck me that 
the ancient Greeks blamed Clytemnestra for killing her husband, which she did to avenge his murder of her child, whereas they didn't blame Agamemnon at all. Um, sometimes Clytemnestra garnered a sliver of sympathy, but it was always followed by condemnation of her as a supposedly monstrous woman mm-hmm. because she was a woman who rebelled against her husband, her master, um, and she committed the ultimately wicked female crime of killing him. But I don't understand how anyone could at least fail to fail to at least pity the predicament that she was in. But of course, I suppose the life of a, a daughter and the grief of a mother were outweighed by male concerns. In this case, Agamemnon's desire to wage war against Troy, which she could only do by sacrificing his daughter to the goddess Artemis. But the House of Atreus as well, it's, there are so many stories going back even further than Clytemnestra and Agamemnon. So there's just so much, there's so much meat that yeah. I could get from this. this. That's really what attracted me to the House of Atreus. I'm not too familiar with the mythology around that, but am I right in thinking that at some point Atreus, who is who was Agamemnon's father, did he feed his nephews to his brother at one point? He did, yes. <laughs> yeah. And that that features in my story. Um, okay. it features because there's there's a whole backdrop of various murders that went on prior to Clytemnestra coming into the story mm-hmm. and just appalling treatment of the children in the house of Atreus. And it's, it all features in the story. Okay. So mythological retellings, um, I would say in many ways, are probably more flexible um, than maybe like a straight historical fiction taken from a, like at a snapshot in time, because the, the fact that they are myth- mythological sort of anyway, you know that there's elements that aren't, Exactly. But I think it's still important to have an understanding of where it all came from. And by the sounds of it, it it sort of sounds like you've been researching for this your entire life. But was there a lot of research involved when it actually came to sort of putting it all together? Um, Yes, lots and lots of research for the mythological elements and also for um, the Bronze Age setting as well, because I very much am telling this as historical fiction. Okay. So, um, yeah, in terms of the mythology, I've obviously researched the original sources. I say original sources, but the myths have saved, they've come down to us. They, there were so many different versions of these myths and the ones that have come down to us are really the the surviving version. People kind of think of them as the final versions, but there were so many different yeah. ones. Yeah, so I've I researched those. I've researched just basically everything I could get my hands on in terms of Greek dramas, um, the ancient Greek writers, in terms of the history, the Bronze Age. I've researched lots of, I read lots of books and continue to read lots of books on the Mycenaeans, on Mycenae, also Homer and classical Greece as well. Oh, wow. So you you really you, you sort of did the research that was necessary for this, and then sort of read around the topic as well. Yeah, yeah, uh huh. Okay, yeah. that's great. So that you can really you can sort of stretch in where where is where you need to kind of stretch into different things and kind of reference different things. Yeah, yeah, uh huh. Amazing. So moving on to some more sort of uh, publishingy sort of uh, stuff now. You are with Nim Tree Press. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Do you have a literary agent or did you submit directly to them? I submitted directly to them. So I had attempted to, well, after I finished writing Clytemnestra's Bind, I approached a number of agents. I I didn't keep a a tally because that would just be depressing. But (laughs) (laughs) I spent about maybe a year trying to get a literary agent Mm -hmm. and it's just, it's such a slow process and maybe I was a little bit impatient, I don't know. But I then decided that I was going to submit to publishers directly. So I got a hold of, obviously you can't submit to the the big publishers directly. Very often there's hardly ever a open windows. But yeah. I got a hold of a book called um, Mislexia's Independent Press Guide, which was fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. And I discovered the various different independent presses that I could submit to. So when I started doing that, I got a lot more interest than through the agents. And I was offered a contract by another publisher, which I, I turned down. And there was quite a bit of interest from various publishers. But then I submitted to Neem Tree Press. That was actually in 2020 that I submitted to Neem Tree Press. Oh, wow. Okay. And at that point, yeah, I, I knew that I'd find my publisher. <laughs> <laughs> um, so before... You, you said you'd, you'd submitted to lots of agents and things. Had you sort of workshopped the manuscript and done sort of critique with with different people before you submitted it? I did back in the early days. So mm-hmm. there's been quite a big um, history, if you like, with this <laughs> manuscript. I started it actually in 2011, which is wow. frightening. That's frightening. But I've not, <laughs> I haven't worked on it all that time. I started it in 2011 and... Back then I had a critique group, which I think is it's massively important to have people reading your book, especially in kind of early stages, it's really important. Mm-hmm. So I had a, a fantastic little critique group back then and I worked on it for about a year and a half, maybe two years, which, yeah, it's quite a long time. But then I put it aside and... I actually worked on the Helen book, which is the second book in my trilogy. I worked on that for a while, put that aside. I put books aside, but not because I I don't intend to come back to them. It's just the way I work. So I put that aside as well. And I worked on yet another book, which was nothing to do with Greek mythology. It was a political satire. And then I took a wee break from writing for a while. Then I went back to Clytemnestra. And by that stage, I wasn't actually in a critique group, but I'd benefited. I think I'd benefited so much from it already. Um, and then I became, I began submitting. Okay. And you eventually decided to go with Neem Tree Press, who you seem yeah. very happy with. Are yeah. you, are you in, now that you have like the book deal and it's a three book deal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, are you interested at all in, in looking for an agent, working with an agent now, or are you happy just working directly with the publisher? I think because I've signed these, it, wasn't actually a free book deal. It's a it was three separate contracts, but you know, okay. splitting hairs there. But um, but because I've already signed those free contracts, I don't know what the value would be right now in bringing in an agent. But sure. afterwards, then yeah, I, f- I think I would be keen to to get signed up. Um, but Neem Tree Press have done um, they have done so much in terms of publicising the work. So yeah, but. I've, 
yeah, later on, I, I think I would maybe like to bring an agent in if I could. Okay, so you, you've got a little bit of time while you put these books out to yeah. sort of think about it and maybe like look at your options and things like that, see how it's going. Yeah. And you mentioned that the second book is, was it called Helen? Um, It's now called Helen's Judgment. Helen's Judgment. And I'm assuming this is Helen of Troy. It is, yes. Yeah. So she's, um, <laughs> how did you guess? She's <laughs> Clytemnestra's sister. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it just seems like, the, I'd actually started writing that book first originally before Clytemnestra, but it makes sense to have that book as a middle book now. Okay. So the series is going to be sort of head hopping between um, the sort of women of, of of the family. Yeah. So the second book, um, Helen and also Achilles. Achilles actually narrates the story from uh, bringing in a wee bit of the supernatural, which isn't really in my first novel, but <laughs> Achilles is actually narrating the novel from Beyond the Grave in the second book. Um, because in the Iliad, he wasn't just a warrior, he was a poet, a bard as well. So mm-hmm. I thought it'd be quite interesting to bring him in as a sort of all-knowing narrator. And because the Helen story is such, I mean, Trojan War is such an epic story, I wanted to tell it from more than one perspective, but it does very much concentrate on Helen though. Okay. And then the third book is Electra. So Electra's Fury, which actually is Electra who is Clytemnestra's daughter and Hermione, who is Helen's daughter. So it's kind of exploring their fraught relationships with their mothers. Oh, wow. Okay. This, this sounds really, it sounds really, really interesting way to kind of tell one long story, but then from different points of view. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I I prefer to do that rather than pack everything into the one novel. It's more satisfying (laughs) to, you know, read it across several novels. Yeah. 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 And um... join us today during the Jeep celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. So currently working on book two. Mm-hmm. Many authors say that the second book is a very different experience to the first book. It's sort of comes with a host of, of different challenges. Have you figured out a, a good routine, uh, like a good scheduling kind of system for your writing and editing? Well, <laughs> um, so the second book was actually originally the first book. Um, but now, now that I am, you know, in the process of publicizing the first book, I am kind of struggling a little bit to get time to work mm-hmm. on the second book I'm so glad that it is already in the editing stage because if it was still in the the writing stage the first draft stage I would be panicking a little bit oh yeah of course but I work full-time I'm quite a demanding job I'm quite tired in the evenings so a lot of my publicizing is done at the weekend and so I'm, I'm kind of struggling for time a little bit um but I'm hoping that when we get the well, I'm hoping that maybe in the next few weeks things might have calmed down slightly with the publicising yeah. and then I can concentrate a bit more on editing Helen. But I am just so glad that it's already in quite a reasonable state. Yeah, moment. that's great. Yeah. You really set yourself up for, for, to yeah, be in a good position yeah. with that. Yeah, and Electra's in first draft as well. 
Okay, so are you kind of simultaneously also trying to to start getting Electra done? Yeah, yeah. So it's not so much simultaneously, but I do. I've had the leisure before signing up to Neem Tree Press. I had the leisure to put things aside. And that's kind of what I like to do. I like to write a first draft and put it aside and come back to it a while mm-hmm. later after I've worked on something else. I like to come back to it with fresh eyes. Yeah. And I don't know if I'll, I'll always be able to work that way, but when you don't have the time pressures from for getting the next book written, then it's possible just to put things aside for a year or two years or whatever, then come back to them. Yeah, 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 yeah. And are you, are you working with the same editor that you worked with 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 the first book um so i've not i haven't worked with the editor yet for helen or electra um the first editor i'm not sure because they've actually just taken on a new editor who's actually locally based for me so that's great i'm (laughs) going to meet her but i'm going to meet her shortly so oh okay so i suspect it will be be a a different editor yeah okay how do you feel about that I'm fine. Yeah, good. I mean, Clytemnestra didn't really require much editing anyway because I'd worked on it so much mm-hmm. that really it was a lot of commas got added. <laughs> basically, yeah, was the, always commas. The main, yeah, always <laughs> lots and lots of commas. Um, that was basically the main part. There wasn't any major changes. There was one scene that had to be reduced to a couple of paragraphs. It was a scene that I it drew a parallel with the House of Atreus story. It was later on in the book mm-hmm. where a couple of petitioners are telling their story to Clytemnestra and it drew parallels, but it was also meant to be some comic relief. So I don't know whether that was entirely appropriate in a book like Clytemnestra's Bind as well, but it was meant to be a sort of a bit of relief from all the high drama, but that ended up getting uh, reduced to a couple of paragraphs. So, but there wasn't an awful lot of editing. So uh, it might be a bit different when it comes to Electra because it's going to be in, I'm not going to have edited it myself quite as much as I've, done with Clytemnestra prior to to handing it over yes yeah yeah, yeah. but like you know it, in another way you with when books are in earlier stages and you're working with the editor at an mm-hmm. earlier stage there's probably going to be less editing later on anyway because you know two yeah. heads working together and stuff yeah yeah I am actually really looking forward to that um, <laughs> it'll be it'll be a very different process it might be a lot quicker yeah yeah. Well, I know from from my friends who 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 are authors and and have one or two um, books published that the process does change a lot in in terms yeah. of there's a lot more sort of like drafting ideas and sort of writing up um a, a few chapters and then bouncing that between agents or editors or, or whoever it might be and then either like completely reshaping that or things like I guess similar mm. to like you were saying with critique groups but I think a, a little bit more kind of flexible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually really looking forward to that to see how it changes the, the <laughs> editing <exciting>. process. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got the 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 three part trilogy, um, and it sounds like you have always been and continued to be um, fascinated by uh, Greek mythology. After this, will you do more Greek mythology? Maybe pick a different like time or, or characters. Yes. Yeah, I will. Um, I've put so much research into it and. To be honest, I don't really do things by half. So if I was to move on to, um, if I was to move on to a different um, mythology, um, maybe Norse or something like that, then I would have to do lots and lots and lots of research. So 
yeah, I'm going to stick with the Greek mythology. Staying it's Greece. going to pay off because I've spent so much money as well and all the books and, you know, <laughs> it's going to pay off. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Are there any like certain characters or stories that you have your eye on? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Top secret. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Amazing. I might delve a bit further back in time, I think. Okay. I mean, there's a lot of time to play with when it comes to Greek yeah. mythology. Yeah. Um, so... As of this airing, the first book will be out in the world. Um, Mm -hmm. Through that experience of um, not only writing it, but then also like submitting um, and eventually working with Neem Tree Press, what have you learned through the experience of that first book that you think is going to really help you out going into the second book? Um, That's quite hard to say because... I am actually already so far into the second book That's true. <laughs> anyway. Um, it is, I've edited, edited it a couple of times already. It's gone through quite big changes because when I first started on it, that was before I discovered critique groups. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it has gone through some quite major changes anyway. Uh, it sort of sounds like your second book mm-hmm. is kind of more like the experience of a first book because you didn't edit the first book too much because it had been worked on so long yeah 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 it's kind of like that I did I've written things in the past as well but never particularly seriously yeah never really with a view to getting published um but yeah I think I did my first book I wrote my first book when I was 21 okay and it was just a pile of rubbish <laughs> it really was it was just a test of stamina to see mm-hmm. if I was capable of sitting down and writing a book but I never really tried to get that published yeah I think that's this, that's true of so many um um people and and, and writers I mean the, I remember the first thing I wrote and I did make the mistake of trying to get it published and things mm. um and it, and it was rightfully rejected by everyone but <laughs> um it's, it's it's yeah it sounds like you're in a kind of interesting and, and somewhat unique position where your first book didn't get that you didn't have too much editing because it was very long it, the process mm, you, you you'd yeah. gone, done so many drafts of it yeah thus making your second book a more similar experience to most people's experience with their first book probably yeah yeah so your probably. third book which you're excited for because then you're going to work it's going to be rather different yeah, yeah that's going to yeah. be your like my second book yeah kind of. <laughs> yeah i think so uh-huh and yeah. i'll have much more of a clue as well about how much publicity and publicizing is involved as well which mm-hmm. i didn't have much idea about with clytemnestra's bind i knew yeah. it'd be quite intense but yeah it's quite intense <laughs> <laughs> it's good though that's good it's, it's good great. to be busy and to be doing mm. lots of publicity and things like that so yep all good as always proving that everyone's writing journey and when you go through publishing is entirely unique because mm. i don't think i think your your experience is going to be so different to, to everyone else's okay <laughs> <laughs> i think that's a good thing maybe yes maybe. <laughs> i think it is that's i mean it's one of the things that i love about this industry is that no two writers have the same journey it's mm. all unique and there's no there's no sort of one correct way of doing it um everyone gets into it and gets through it in their own has their own path yeah, yeah. And I think that brings us on to um, what is always the final question. Um, so, Susan, if you were stranded on a desert island with a single book, which book would it be? So, uh, of course, I knew this question was coming up and 
I've tormented myself. <laughs> I've absolutely <laughs> tortured myself. I was thinking about cheating. Um, I've got this huge omnibus of Muriel Spark, but I suppose I can't really get away with that. Well, um, I mean, a lot of people have. Someone found a uh, a, a bound copy of all three Lord of the Rings books. Oh, and they okay. they literally sent me the the link on the internet to prove that it existed. <laughs> but was was the Lord of the Rings? Wasn't it originally a big, massive, single book anyway? And he split it into smaller books, The Fellowship of the Rings, and what was have it? you? I think so. That, that just, I could yeah, be wrong. It's just enormous wrong. as one as one mm. book. There. It is, yeah. Well, but I decided though on Wuthering Heights because nice. It's just the one book that I really could get to the end of it and go straight back to the beginning. Um, quite happily I've read it so many times and the weird thing about that is it never actually changes for me it's always the same every single time I read it and yet I can read it over and over and over yeah I think the only time that it changed for me was my second reading because I read it first when I was 14 and I kind of romanticized Heathcliff for some bizarre <laughs> bizarre reason so the second time I read it I thought whoa yeah <laughs> yeah he's he's actually quite a terrible person but I just love it um I love it's the setting. I love the characters. I love the kind of darkness of it, and I love my conflicted feelings for Kathy and Heathcliff as well. Um, pity Heathcliff when he arrives as a child at the Heights, um, and then of course he turns into this terrible person, inflicting mm. his vengeance on people who just don't deserve that treatment. But yes, it's just such a great book. It is. It's a classic. And mm. I, I always say, you know, the, they are, these books are classics for a reason. Absolutely. It's funny because there's definitely a mentality and I'm guilty of this as well as where, you, you know, I have this massive to be red pile. And then there's, mm. I also sort of have a sort of off to the side. I have like a classics I should read pile. And I'm, oh. I'm always like, um, and I've, I've spoken to other people who have a similar kind of energy to this and they're always like oh I just want to read the new thing though and then when they do eventually get around to reading a classic they're like oh my god this is amazing yeah no I absolutely love classics I would yeah. actually rather be reading classics than new things but yeah no there's a reason why books are still being read exactly 100 yeah. plus years later there's a very good reason yeah I'm always blown away whenever I read like a, an old classic or, or even mm. a modern classic and I'm like yeah. wow I, yeah. I get it I get the hype absolutely yeah yep <laughs> Amazing. Well, thanks so much, Susan, for coming on and um, telling us all about your 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 new book and your all the mythology and everything that that, that goes behind it and your, your 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 publishing journey. It's been really interesting Thank chatting you. with you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. And for anyone wanting to keep up with what Susan is doing, you can follow her on Twitter at Bronze Age Woman. That's W M M I N. Uh, or on her website, you can find out more at www.susancwilson.co.uk. To make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, follow along on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, or Facebook. And you can also support the show on Patreon. For more bookish chat, you can check out my other podcast, The Chosen Ones and Other Tropes. Thanks again to Susan, and thanks to everyone listening. We'll catch you on the next episode. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.